What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cat Spas. Bubble, 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 Derek. We finally have some bubble talk on the college basketball side, and it looks like that we will have college basketball games in a bubble atmosphere. Yeah, John Rothstein, uh, what's he work for now? CBS? CBS. I think there's another outlet in his... It's CBS, CBS Sports is what he has it. You see that a little bit with uh, some of those college basketball guys uh, working for a few different outlets. But, um, yeah, it looks like the Champions Classic, which, of course, UK is involved in every year, is a part of eight teams – or, sorry, eight different preseason – or, well, early season tournament things. You might have all those pulled up, Sean. But, obviously, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas, and Duke have been a part of the Champions Classic now for a number of years had assumed that that was going to be canceled this year. Um, but with this bubble atmosphere that's going to be created in Orlando, which, of course, is where the NBA and WNBA have had a lot of success in playing games, maybe still some hope. And might get even more this year. Might get to play all those teams instead of just one. Yeah, so the other events there, so in, in addition to the Champions Classic, they have listed the Jimmy V Classic, the Wooden Legacy, the Preseason NIT, the Orlando Invitational, Charleston Classic, Myrtle Beach Invitational, Diamond Head Classic. Now, what's interesting, Derek, is some of those some of those are holiday tournaments around Thanksgiving. Uh, the Jimmy V Classic, I think, is usually played in December. And then I know the Diamond Head Classic is a Christmas tournament that Hawaii usually hosts. So it'll be interesting to see. In Alaska earlier in the year? That's there really is. Popular. It's the It was the Great Alaskan Shootout. I don't know if it's still – I think it still might be called that. But the Charleston Classic, I know for a fact, is Thanksgiving. Uh, the Wooden Legacy is Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure that's out, and that's in California, I think, is where they usually play that. So it'll be interesting to see how these dates will line up, and I know tomorrow we should find out a date for the college basketball season to start. I think the NCAA is going to vote on that Wednesday. Uh, that's been popping up for the last couple of weeks. I know John Rothstein has even mentioned it. Everybody's mentioned it. So I, I guess, Derek, we'll find out tomorrow what the exact date that they're targeting will be, and then we'll probably start finding out some dates for these events. You would think, given this all these this list, the Champions Classic, maybe the preseason NIT would have to go first, right, if you're following – the layout of the schedule. I don't know how this works. Like, is the diamond head all this going? This can't be at the same time, obviously. No, wasn't it reported that either November twenty fifth or December fourth were the likely dates to start? Yeah, and now it's been talked. I think the twenty first is another date, or twenty third. Let me look at the calendar because I've seen like multiple reports. So oh, it, it, I think the twenty first or the twenty fifth, somewhere in that week, is what we'll see. 
college basketball. I think there's some talk about competing with college football, uh, NFL, everything going on there. I don't know the way it's worked out, Derek. I think everybody's wanting to get those ratings the best they can and uh, sort of stay away from some of these other leagues. But it's kind of hard right now because everybody's playing. I have a Champions Classic game leading to the NBA drafts. Isn't that around that time? It is. November. Uh, That'd be tough for Cal to balance all his. Well, actually, there won't be that many guys getting drafted this year, will there? Maybe just a couple from last year's team. Should be noted, too, that as of right now, John says sources, fans are not currently expected to be in attendance during any of those early season events in Orlando. And I've seen some people on Twitter and other places say they need to let fans in. This will be great and all this stuff. Look, if college basketball is going the bubble route, we should all just assume that fans will not be a part of it. If fans were going to be a part of it, Derek, I think that they would play on campus because I just yeah. don't I just don't see any scenario where other than close family, sort of the way the NBA is doing things right now. I know Patrick Patterson's mom has been in quarantine for seven days, and today's her final day, and she finally gets to go out. I think and watch Game Seven tonight. So she, if she did, if they lose, then she went to Orlando for literally nothing but to quarantine for seven days. And then if they get eliminated tonight, then I don't know. So that's just, uh, it's a tricky process. Well, with the fans too, in terms of the major American sports, I believe only college football and a very limited number of NFL teams. I think just two games last weekend had fans. So yeah, it's basically Chiefs. only been college football that has tried to make the fan thing work and. Of course, the SEC, no more than 25% for any school. I think I read today that Auburn, UK's first opponent, they're expecting around 17,000-ish type. So very small crowds. I mean, that. But that's another thing. Sean, when you put 17,000, like, yeah, it doesn't seem – it's just 25% or whatever of Auburn's capacity. You put that, like, in a other context of – like, that's still a decent amount of people to go to a game. I mean, you talk about, like, a baseball. Baseball's not had anybody – for any stadium there. And they're talking about potentially having fans for the playoffs. That'll be interesting to see. That'll come after college football started. But I don't know. It's interesting to me, like, why maybe baseball viewed it as an unnecessary thing. But I would think baseball would have been – if college football can spread these people out, you would think baseball could too, at least some of the games. And does it make sense, though, that they're looking at doing it for postseason play? Where you've you've made it through this without any problems, but then you want to bring in problems. fans. Yeah, well, you know, it's problems with like, I guess you know, trying to contain and trying to control what they can. Uh, so I don't know, but then again, like fans aren't going to come in contact with the players if it's done correctly. Like you're not going to have any issues with that. Uh, we saw the NFL last night. What did you think about Benny Snell and Bud Dupree last night? I mean, it was those two really put on a show, and uh, now you got not just cats in the bubble talk, you got some cats in the NFL talk, and that that's good for both sides. Um, James Conner, I'm a little bit nervous because all Benny Snell needs is just a little window to get in there, and he might not ever give that job up for the next few years. Uh, it was really good to see. No one cares about people's fantasy teams. I get it. I got Benny in the very last round of my ESPN draft. He was on the bench. You know, If he starts scoring touchdowns, Benny's going to become a guy I think that people start looking to because – Steelers always, uh, obviously Le'Veon Bell, he's he's long gone now. But Connor had some good years. But I would think that the running back spot is is there for they got some good backs too, Jalen Samuels. But if Benny, he's a young guy, not a ton of wear and tear on that body. He's, he looks good. He's lost weight. He looks a little bit faster. 
I was really good to see. Uh, Bud, I didn't get to watch all that game. I was still watching the Reds last night, but I did see that he had a stop in the backfield, I believe, on Barkley. So uh, 12 guys, I think, from Kentucky was the number that made the list. And we're going to talk about cats in the NFL. I mean, I'm watching a lot of bad kickers right now, Sean. Is Austin McGinnis, <laughs> is he going to get his chance? Oh, but he, it's it's actually kind of shameful that he hasn't at least gotten an opportunity to show that I mean, if, if he's no different than the rest of them, at least. Uh, yeah. Surprising that he hasn't got an opportunity as successful as he was at Kentucky. Uh, clutch. I mean, we're talking about a kicker that come up in the clutch, Derek. And last night, really, truthfully, the entire weekend was hard to watch kickers line up, which I know, I mean, it's different. Extra points aren't the same length and things like that. But those guys are professionals. And, I mean, they're watching that game last night. I'm like, okay, even the best at this position can – completely fall off a cliff at any point in their career. But, you know, thankfully for that guy, he was able to kick the game winner. And you knew it was coming down to that. Like, you just knew that he was going to get another opportunity to kick it. And uh, But, I don't know, Austin deserves a shot, I think. he. Th- there's probably 15 NFL rosters that he could make it on if they just give him a chance in a game. Now, I'll ask you this. Would he have made it if they'd had a preseason? Would he have gotten an opportunity? So the Rams had another rookie, right? That's who they, they chose. Did. I don't know. I mean, I think he would have a chance. Uh, Mero, Vince Marrow's joining our show tomorrow, actually just tweeted about Austin McGinnis, and he tagged the Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans, and Cincinnati Bengals, and he said, give this kid a shot. Trust me, he will make the field goal. He's money. He was money McGinnis in college. He was. Um, Incredible. Well, I still have no doubt if uh, Nick Haynes isn't called for that holding penalty that McGinnis steps up and hits that game one of goal against Florida that year. He what does. And kid? I'll tell you this, too. From where he kicked that ball from, I was standing under the goalpost that night. I thought it was going to go. When it first went off the foot, I said, okay, accuracy's not a problem here, but will it get there? And it fell short. But, no, you're we're right. right. Kickers. Last night on his radio show, Mark Stoops more or less said Matt Ruffalo is the guy. So he's beat out chance four. That yes. job. I mean, and kind of a revolving four, door last year, but looks like yeah. he was four of five on field goal attempts last year too, Derek. So it's not like he was awful. He did miss two extra points. Now I'm going to throw out the PATs last year just because the weather was literally horrible, if I remember correctly. Then he, he there was I think it was the Missouri game he missed two, yes, possibly. So. Right, but the weather was that. horrible. But it sounds like Chance will handle kickoff duties, which. Now, I really think I'll, – I'll, I want to give him some praise here on this. He has a strong leg, Derek. We saw that this work with Grant McKinnis with yeah. the kickoff duties for a couple of years. So maybe this is where he finds his way onto the field. That's true. Um, I'm typically – I mean, you can manage scholarships however I want or however they want, excuse me. But I'm going to think in the future they don't really want three guys, on, you know, three specialists uh, doing that. But Porter does have a strong leg. There's no question about that. Obviously, you got Duffy this year, and you got Wilson Berry coming in next year. So your punter position looks like it's uh, set for the future. So that's kind of the one area. Although Ruffalo, is he going to be a senior this year? I think he might be. I think he is a senior. So chance to be a sophomore. Ruffalo's a senior. I'm pretty the next sure. Next obvious specialist is uh, I'm forgetting the kid's name right now, but he's from Boyle County, Jackson Smith, maybe or something yeah. like that. He's been on the radar for a long time, already has an offer, like pretty sure based on people I've talked to, he's gonna commit to Kentucky at some point. So you don't think, they have a freshman don't they have a freshman kicker on the roster right now too? Isn't it Graham Wald? Isn't isn't he on the roster from the Lexington area? 
Uh, yeah, I think he's a walk-on, though. Okay. Oh, I mean, Buffalo is, too, so it's not going to, yeah. you know, the specialist It's a little bit different. You never know. But typically, in general, with specialists, if you're on scholarship, you're almost always going to get as many opportunities as possible to prove yourself over a uh, walk-on. But, no, I thought Ruffalo – I mean, Stoop said yesterday that had it been in a game, he would have had a career long during Saturday scrimmage, about over 50 yards. So, yeah. he's got a good leg if he can be consistent – it's, it's important. UK is probably going to play a lot of close games. You need to capitalize on those field goals. And my benefit UK is that they've seen how much other teams have struggled. I don't know if that's the case. The team just haven't worked on it as much or what, but it really has been like across the board, really poor special teams play in college and NFL. It has. And like you said, Kentucky has to capitalize on those opportunities this year. It cost them some games last year. You could definitely cost them the floor game. And you could actually say it probably cost them the Mississippi State game, too, because they had some momentum there in the fourth quarter. But speaking of capitalizing on deals, you've got to make it out to the Butcher's Pub with two locations in Palmville and Williamsburg, Kentucky. Derek, we've been plugging the Butcher's Pub for about the last week now. And let's go ahead and start plugging some things that they have going on this week. You know, Wing Wednesday is coming up tomorrow. Uh, get out there, watch some NBA bubble basketball, uh, watch some baseball on TV. The Reds are trying to push for a playoff spot. Uh, get out Thursday night and go out and watch the Bengals and Browns play on uh, NFL Thursday night action. So make it out to the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, one in Pineville, Kentucky. Get out there, show your support for Kentucky Daily and the Butcher's Pub. As soon as we come back from this quick break, we're going to talk Kentucky's COVID situation, some COVID situations around the SEC, and then we're going to touch on the AP and coaches poll rankings. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Derek, last night, Mark Stoops had his second UK Healthcare Radio call-in show, and he gave a lot of notes. I think most notably, we already talked about Matt Ruffalo being named the starting place kicker, chance poor handling kickoff duties, but Joey Gatewood's been a big topic. Uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen some things, we've heard some things the last few weeks, but Stoops once again, uh, you know, preached that he's confident in Gatewood being eligible immediately this season, but he also said that he expects a decision this week, which should fit the time frame, honestly. Yeah, it does. You're starting to see this uh, report of a gentleman's agreement come out. I know some other media outlets here in town have, have discussed it. Wouldn't surprise me if that's what happens. That might be the most likely scenario is that uh, Gatewood doesn't really play until potentially week two at the earliest. Which is fine. It does affect, I guess, how reps are going to go in practice, though, if that's truly the case, because you'll have to have Sawyer Smith ready or Bo Allen, whoever it is, as a backup. Because if you're someone who really loves UK football and you know all the players, uh, Stoops last night said that Nick Scalzo probably uh, is not going to play this year. I think it was probably a long shot that he would get in anyway with some of the talent they have, but still recovering from that. But 
that's a really interesting situation. It's just nothing – you're not going to see that a – well, you might see it more. We'll see what happens once the one-time waiver rule does pass. Well, I guess it won't matter then, Sean, because you don't have to go through all these hoops. So this might be the last situation you see with uh, a guy transferring within the conference that you have to have not only approval from the NCAA, but also some things from Commissioner Sankey and, and things like that. Going forward, I guess it won't matter. Unless there are some kind of stipulations put, which to me would kind of defeat the purpose of why you're allowing one-time transferring for people to go wherever they want. I'm not sure. And if he gets eligible, I think we both agree that that takes Kentucky to another level with some of the options that they'll have offensively if Joey Gatewood yeah. is I'll, I'll available. He's pretty good source suggested to me he is going to be he's going to be cleared this fall. It's just kind of it might not be this first weekend. Yeah. Basically. Wow. And and two, I mean, if you make it to that, if you get to that second weekend there with the uh, two Mississippi schools, you're at home, you're not traveling. I mean, I'm Joey Gatewood's going to have his say on some of the things that Kentucky does this year. I think that they'll, you'll see some of those short yarded situations, Derek. If he as big as he is, it's like it's almost almost like each picture I see, the dude gets bigger to me for a quarterback. It's like a it's like a Cam Newton, Dak Prescott back there taking snaps. And you remember watching those guys in college, Derek, when it would be third and three or third and four, you knew what was coming and those schools couldn't stop it. So that I think that's what would be added to Kentucky's offense uh, and to get to see some things like that. But there's one guy, Derek, that Stoops also talked about, Devontae Robinson, that we haven't seen in quite some time after the preseason injury last year that cost him his uh, full season. Uh, he might not be ready to go for that matchup at Auburn, or possibly even a, a week after that. There's still something – there's still some uh, – you know, probably some rust and some recovery there, Derek, that he's still working his way back, sounds like. Yeah, it wasn't elaborated, but it sounds like he had more going on. Uh, I believe Josh Moore from the Herald Leader tweeted that last night from Steve's show. Obviously, he, the quad injury last year is what kept him out for the season, but it sounds like he's had some other setbacks, uh, maybe not necessarily related to the quad, that has pushed him back. So doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for Auburn. Might be ready for – Mississippi State or Ole Miss, um, those coming weeks at home. But that leads to another interesting point, Sean. Um, strong, it was strongly implied by Stoops that the one area they might be a little bit thin with either positive COVID cases or contact tracing is the secondary. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording that, you know, you have Vito Tisdale has been the name in the secondary for the, like the last seven to ten days that we've been hearing a lot of. We've seen – They've started adding more photos to the photo shelter, which I think too just comes because his name's been mentioned so much. But it's him making plays, Derek, and we've saw, we've heard a lot of guys, players, coaches praise him. And I'll ask you this too: you know, COVID. There's no positive that comes from COVID, no pun intended, other than the case. But when you look at the situation, though, do you think that it, it might come back that Stoops at least knows that he has some other guys there? And it's probably good to know what depth you have. And I think that that's a guy that's really impressed him, that he feels comfortable. Derek, it wouldn't shock me if he got a lot of snaps first week, if need be. I agree. You know, we kind of have to speak in general here because we don't really know who's in there and who's not. Obviously, like you said, going by the photo shelter, Vito definitely scrimmage Saturday. Has been making a move in practice. Um, also looking from the pictures, guys like MJ Devonshire were out there. So I don't know who's out there and who's not. But they've got a lot of guys back there in terms of numbers. Like, the good news for Kentucky is 
as it stands now, anyway, they have enough guys on scholarship, but you wouldn't have to think they're having to, like, pluck wide receivers to fill in the secondary for, like, a week or anything like that. I mean, they have a lot of guys on scholarship. I believe they redshirted. Last year they redshirted Devonshire, Douglas, Geiger, and Taj Dodson. Four guys there. I think they just signed four more this year in the secondary. So those are, like, if you're making out a depth chart outside of – Devonshire and Dodson, they both played a little bit last year. Dodson, before he got hurt, was getting a lot of important snaps, actually. So you have guys who, like, worst-case scenario, you have talented young players who their main knock is that they don't have experience. So I think that is a position, like, if you're having to pick, that's the one you want. The spots you don't want to get uh, any kind of trouble with COVID is inside linebacker because you're already so thin there. I honestly think you can make a case for – well, I mean, like other other positions like tight end, the numbers are, are so – there's so few of them that that might get tricky. But if you're going to pick a spot, though, I think that's one that, you know, like Stoop said, it's they could play a game. It's not devastated them that bad. But I would be curious, and we're not going to find out. But it's that's why it's so hard. And that first game, when you see people go out there, like that's going to become a much more clear picture of who's been affected by this and who hasn't. There's a lot of things that are unclear about that first game. We still don't even know the media situation for Kentucky Auburn. We haven't got anything on that, and we're here, what, Derek, less, maybe 10, 11 days from kickoff now. So there's a lot of unknowns with it. Uh, two, Auburn, they have positive cases. They've had starters mispractice all of last week. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's a situation there, too. I think I saw today where Florida has had some uh, positive cases, too. Ed Ogeron, I think, I don't, I don't want to quote it and be wrong, but it sounds like Ogeron said something like almost his entire team has had COVID-19. Because, uh, had 75 cases throughout this? I think Texas Tech has. He said not all of our players, but most of our players have caught it, Ogeron told reporters. That come from, uh, I'm seeing this on Sports Center's timeline on Twitter right now. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we, you said it best earlier when it comes to making predictions for games, you said it before we started recording, you don't want to make a prediction on any game until probably inside 48 hours if it comes to picking who you think is going to win because you're going to have to look and see who's available. I mean, hopefully these schools are being you know, knowledgeable and smart with who's staying with who and who's rooming. I'm sure, is that a thing? Like when these teams travel, is it going to be one person per room? Or are you putting two people? I mean, are you putting a quarterback with a lineman? I don't know how you how you're doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. I gotta think the positions are definitely gonna be split up. I mean, you're gonna try to keep those guys away from each other. But uh, I would think the expense to have everybody have their own room would be very high. I think you're still gonna guys double up in rooms, but there won't be team meals the night before. You won't see that. It'll be they'll be eating in the rooms for sure. Uh, They still will travel the day before, right? There's no way they traveled to Auburn that morning. So they'll travel the night before, and then it's out of town as soon as that thing's over with there. They're they're already quick getting out of town, but this might be a less than 24 hours in town type of deal. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a year where everything is just going to be – that's going to be an adjustment for sure, uh, that first game. will probably make things easier. I mean, they typically stay in hotel rooms the night before games. I actually think you might see that go away this year if you're at home. Yeah. And you've already done a good job kind of staying safe in your own house. So I think you might see that, which it'll make things a little bit different for the guys for sure. 
There's one thing on the field, though, Sean, I wanted to get your opinion on. I uh, heard it last year, yesterday, excuse me, when I was on a podcast. And it was uh, the, the topic was officiating in these empty stadiums. They feel like – and it was just going off the first weekend, and they were discussing the A.J. Green um, offensive pass interference for the Bengals. Do you think the officiating, there won't be as many, I guess, calls influenced by the crowd this year? If, if you're not having to please the 90,000 people that are on your neck about it, I could see it. There is, there's no home field advantage at all. Right. I mean, the only thing that's home field advantage is you're, you play on that field all the time. Like there's no, nothing from the fans. I could see that. That is interesting. Uh, I think maybe we'll have to, yeah, well, and we'll have to, we'll have to look and see. I mean, maybe is that good news? It's not good news for Kentucky, is it? That maybe, well, I guess it would be good news because, on the road at Auburn. I mean, will fans influence that? I, I'm, I still – I'm interested in seeing Derek, and that's why I want to go. What will that stadium sound like? Will it be weird? I mean, we're used to – some of these places we go have open press box, and you can barely hear anything, and it's that's what makes it fun is the environment. I'm interested in seeing what that's like. I am too. Uh, I mean, a big advantage this year of getting to go to the games is you can pretty much figure out who's there and who's not. That might be your biggest benefit because I'm not sure. I know uh, apparently at the University of Louisville, they announced before the game that every player was available, which I'll tip my hat to Louisville. That's that's really impressive. I mean, I don't know. They, they've obviously taken it very seriously, but at the same time, and I was talking about it yesterday, like you don't have to do anything wrong to still get COVID. So just the fact that they did that, I think maybe a little bit lucky to be in that spot because I'm not sure it's going to be that way for them the whole season. But it would seem like a minor miracle if you can get to the game having your whole roster available because I don't think you're going to see many teams in the SEC who have that luxury. So that that will be like kind of a story within itself every week, just wondering who's going to be available, who's not. I, I would hope that these schools would be transparent about it, but knowing the – nature of college football, I don't expect that to be the case, so it's going to be a little bit of a guessing game. If you're someone who gambles on college football, I would I would be very cautious this year because you might put a bet down, you might like a line early in the week, and then you find out come Friday that, you know, Bo Nix is not playing tomorrow for Auburn. You know what I mean? Something like that might happen. And Be careful with your money this year, that's what I'm trying to say. And also, I'll tell you this, you know, we've made our predictions, and we'll, we'll touch on those here sometime in the next week. But I think that this is the type of season that we probably need to wait till December before we really just look back and be like, okay, was this a success? Was it a failure? Do you just wipe it out entirely? Uh, I don't think we're going to know. I mean, they might go win at Auburn, Derek, and this thing fall apart like two weeks later. We just don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. I do think that we can say with confidence, though, there's going to be a game that first week of the SEC – where somebody gets upset. That's I'm just going to go ahead and just throw it out there that I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how these programs are prepared and everything and how these coaches have – because they've managed it differently. Nobody's going to do things the same way. And it'll be interesting to see, like, during a normal year, you can see progression throughout throughout a team. Like, you see a team get better as the year goes on. But if you're having to have different guys out there every single week, like – Will it be just such a – I don't know. I think it's going to be a frustrating year for coaches in that regard that you're just probably not going to know who you're going to have available. It will give other guys opportunities, but I just don't know yet if you're going to get a true – like I'm happy for fans that they're going to get to see what could be one of the best Kentucky football teams. I really am. Like I think 
that this whatever happens is still going to be better than the alternative of not having the season and always wondering what could have been. But I still wonder if you're going to get that full potential realized this year. Yeah, and and I think they're they're going to be good. They're going to be talented. I'm I'm confident when you look at that roster and the experience they have coming back and what they're developing there. And then, two, Derek, I'll say this. No matter what happens this year, I still think that they're going to go into next year if everything's in a normal year and could have a, a really good year next year, too. I just think that when you look at this roster from top to bottom that you can't put a ton of weight into this season, but hopefully for them they've worked so hard. Drake Jackson, Landon Young, guys have been there for five to six years. Hopefully, Derek, we have some good things to talk about. With uh, Kentucky Auburn next week, we will have Vince Merrow on tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to tweet out. Derek will probably do the same here pretty shortly. If you have questions for Vince, I'll say we can get to three. We'll we'll maybe put two or three in there, depending on how much time we have. So send us some questions. We'll go through, pick them. I'll ha- I'll pick one. Maybe Derek can pick one, and we'll ask Coach Merrill that tomorrow. So be ready for that episode. But you've listened to another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you next time.